This is what's going to happen uh, over the next little while. I don't know about you, if you're like me, if anyone ever sends me a video clip or a YouTube thing on, on, on uh, text, before I, before I watch it, I just start it and then I click very quickly to see how long is this going to go for and am I going to watch it. Does anyone do that? Am I in or am I out? All right. So let me tell you how long this is going to go for and then I'll, I'll get you to so say, I'm going to talk for about 20 minutes or so, okay? And then at the end of that 20 minutes, uh, and I will be because they're counting me down the front there a little. If I go over time, uh, a thing opens up and I fall through the floor. So you know, we're good, all right? At the end of that 20 minutes, if I'm going to take another five minutes or so, and I'm going to lead us into prayer. And that prayer is a prayer of connecting with God, because that's really our aim here as a church. It's, it's not so much that you just connect to church, it's that you, make, that you connect with God. And when we pray that prayer together, some of you are going to pray it for the first time, and some of you are going to pray it uh, for the first time in a long time because you've been away from God. And, and there are people in this room here tonight that your life is going to change forever from this prayer, from this moment on, just like Jesse and Amy's life changed from this moment on. And there's lots of people in our church, uh, about 1,200 people in our church who would agree with the power of a simple prayer prayed from your heart. And so... I'm going to talk about the ultimate gift, the gift of Jesus Christ in plain packaging, in plain packaging. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm, I did a university degree a long time ago now, but I studied business and I love business. I love, I love studying businesses. I love driving through industrial estates. I love looking at businesses. And one of the things that I've liked over the years is studying the businesses that have had missed opportunities, moments in time where a major breakthrough in technology has come along or a new opportunity, but someone's missed it because they're blinded by pride or they're just so used to things have always been this way, so why would they be any different? And, and they, they, maybe they're just like stuck in a particular rut and they miss a new moment or opportunity. It happened to blockbuster videos. They're at the top of their game. They thought that, that nothing else could be better than their business model was making millions and millions of dollars. And someone, this little cheeky young company called Netflix came along and said, would you like to buy us out? We're really cheap and available. I said, why would we ever want to buy you out? And decades later, Blockbuster have gone bust at aptly named and Netflix is worth billions of dollars. Maybe like Kodak, who uh, had 90% of the American market for film development in 1976. Young people, I'm not even going to explain what that was, but that's, that's a long time ago. And they, you know what? Although they had the greatest of the market, 90% of that market in 1976, in 1975, they developed the digital camera. But they hid it because they didn't want to lose what they had for fear of losing profits from the sale of film and the development of stuff. And, and years later, someone else also developed the digital camera and overtook them in the market. And then Kodak went broke and, and, uh, and the rest is history. Maybe it's a guy called George Bell who started an internet company. It's called Excite. And it was going really, it was going gangbusters. And someone came along who was an investor in theirs and said, you should meet these two young guys. They've developed this, this little search engine and there's three staff. They're in a garage in California and you could buy them out right now uh, for a million dollars. And he said, no, Google, what sort of a name is that? That's crazy. And he said, no, I'm not going to invest in that silly little company. And now today it's worth $167 billion. Missed opportunity, whether it was Victor Remington. Someone came along with Velcro and said, would you like to buy this for your company? And said, that's ridiculous. Who would ever use that? Missed opportunity. One of my stories that caught my attention recently was uh, the story of VW, Volkswagen. Who, have we got any Germans in the house? 
Here's your time. Say something loud, Dave Prouder. Here's your moment. Volkswagen was developed, or Hitler was, it was encouraging them to make a Volkswagen for the average common person. He got Ferdinand Porsche involved in developing this, this car, and it was revolutionary, but then World War II came along. And Germany was wiped out, including all of a lot of the factories. And so what happened in that moment is that after the war, land was, was handed out to different people. And, and this particular land where the VW factory was, the Americans are like, it's worth nothing. Give it to the British. So they gave it to the British. A British uh, general came in, Hearst was his name, and he began to, he said, this is pretty good technology. Let's build some cars. And they built, they built some cars and they began to sell them around the world because the technology was amazing. And, and they said, this company is amazing. Why don't we sell it? And, and because we're trying to rebuild the country. And they offered it to Aussies, Americans, French companies, British companies. And they all said, no way. We're not going to have that. The, the stigma of, of what had happened in Germany, they didn't want to touch it. They didn't want to go near it. Henry Ford was offered it. And he sent an advisor in to buy the company. And the advisor said, this place is not worth a cent. Don't even bother. Don't even bother. Turned it down. The packaging wasn't right. There was a stigma to it and it was tainted. VW has gone on now to be one of the most recognisable car brands in the world. We all remember Herbie came out in the 1970s. Herbie goes bananas. I'm showing my age right now. The technology was brilliant, but everything surrounding the company turned people off. They had a preconceived idea that robbed them of an amazing opportunity. About 2,000 years ago, the Jewish people had a pre preconceived idea of what the promised Messiah would be like. They knew that God was going to send a Messiah. It was promised by the prophets all throughout the Old Testament. They would teach about it. And, but their preconceived idea was because at this point they were under Roman occupancy. They, they had the, the cruel Romans were overwhelmed them. And they were imagining a Messiah a deliverer who would come and deliver them from out of that occupancy, maybe a military ruler. Maybe it was a king that would come along and set them free from these cruel tyrants. Maybe it would be someone that was promised that he'd be King David's lineage. He would be like a king. And once again, just as they were in the days of King David, the, maybe the Israelites would be the, the, the number one kingdom in the world at that moment. But they misunderstood the promises. They misunderstood God's intention in sending a Messiah or a Savior. And so when Jesus Christ came, He didn't come in the packaging that they were imagining. He was born to a virgin called Mary, a teenage girl. He's, he, he was born in a stable. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't an outstanding military ruler. He came from a town called Nazareth where, where literally one of the disciples, when told about Jesus, said, does anything good ever going to come from Nazareth? Like someone on the coast might say, is anything good ever going to come from Gympie? Just the same kind of vibe. Apologies to all the Gympie people here tonight. Apologies. We will have a church in Gympie one day probably and I'll have to swallow all those words. He didn't hang out in the religious capital of Jerusalem. He didn't, he didn't toe the line of what people expected him to be. And the people of that day, so many of them missed the opportunity that God had sent, which is the Savior of the world. It wasn't just a, a Messiah. It wasn't just a king. It was God's, he was God's son himself in human flesh, Jesus Christ. He came and they didn't understand the packaging. They turned away from him because it wasn't political. It wasn't military. It wasn't someone who talked about hatred and overcoming. He actually talked about love. 
and forgiveness. He came to bring a spiritual kingdom, not a, not a worldly kingdom. He came to bring a change to the heart of humanity. That the only kind of change that would change the world is not an external change, but a change of our hearts. And that's why God sent His Son, Jesus. Now, I think when it comes to Christmas, there's probably at least two kinds of families. My wife grew up in one type and I grew up in the other type. There's the type that the moment December 1 comes around, that there's, a, there's celebration and there's music and there's 25 boxes of Christmas wrappings are brought down and everything's partied and colour coordinated and perfect and shopped for and thought out. That's my wife's side. Then there's the other side who it's like sometime in December, it's like we probably should cut a tree out of the paddock and we cut it down, we stick it in the, in the lounge room, wrap a few things around it a few days from Christmas and we're like in between the ads and we know, oh, that's our Christmas preparation. I don't know which one you're, what side you kind of come from. Uh, my side, uh, Danielle's side is the wrapping side and our side was not so much. And when I say wrapping, I don't mean, I don't mean that kind of wrapping. Okay, when I say wrapping, I mean the beautiful wrapping, the, the packaging wrapping, the, 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 the layers and the ribbons and everything exactly right. Uh, my family was like, here's the bag it came with, here you go. If I took the receipt out, that's a win. <laughs> and so when we merged together, her family and my family with our background of, of packaging and wrapping, and actually my concept of packaging, it, it wasn't just about gifts, it related to all sorts of packaging, like the clothes that I would wear. My, my concept was the product's good, don't worry too much about the clothes. And so I was talking to a girl one day about why I was still single and this young lady said, have you ever thought about a wardrobe upgrade? <laughs> oh, straight to the heart. Straight to the heart. And so when Danielle and I got together, we began to, I, I began a journey of education. <laughs> Clothing upgrades. I began to learn that giving something in a bag without a card wasn't the way we did Christmas in our house. I began to learn that newspaper is not really wrapping paper. Or butcher's paper doesn't even count. I'm not sure what's going on with that. But I began to learn. I began to adapt. She was very persuasive with her powers. And I began to adjust. And apparently it wasn't just the gift. It was the packaging as well. Now, the thing that I find about so many, so many of us in society today is, is we want, so many of us, and I don't know where you're in, up to in this room, but many of us believe that God's real. Many, many Australians have a, have a concept that there is a real God, There's, that the percentage of atheists in our nation is the minority, but, but there seems to be so often a, a problem, not so much with the concept of God, uh, or, or often it's been misdrewed, but often it's the packaging. And when I, when I talk about the packaging, for a lot of us, the packaging has been church. And so often the idea of God and that, that He could be kind and beautiful and caring and loving and, and want to help change my life doesn't, doesn't meet up with the packaging of maybe what you've experienced growing up. Now, I've grown up in church and I was quite fortunate uh, to grow up in a loving family that, that brought me into a church. And so when I think of church... I think, of a, I think of a place that's positive, of family, of friendships. Okay, as a young kid in a traditional church, I think of boring sermons and counting the stained glass windows and watching the clock. But apart from that, it was warm, it was friendly, it was fun. As I grew up and became part of a church a little more like this, it, it began to mean church was exciting and there was power and there was celebration and there was inspiration. 
But I realise not everybody's grown up in that kind of church. And so often, unfortunately, although at our core we might believe or hope that God is what someone says He is, but somehow the packaging has put us off who He actually is. That, that It might be this, just, just that your experience of church has been that it's irrelevant, that it doesn't connect with you, that it's boring, that, or maybe even worse, that it's legalistic or it's focused more on guilt to get you to keep coming. And that's not really what God's all about, but that can become our concept of who God is. It can be all about rules. It can be about control. It can be harsh and judgmental. And, and if you've grown up in that kind of environment or you've heard or touched that kind of environment, can I ask you today, don't judge God by the packaging that you've seen previously. But would you open your heart to the idea tonight that God might be not what you thought He was. He might not be who you thought He is. In fact, this is the reason God sent Jesus. God sent Jesus because too often the religious people had misportrayed God. And it was so easy in our heart because by nature, human beings are focused on making, making God in our image and therefore we twist God to be what we want Him to be. But here's the deal. God's not made in our image. We're made in His image. And then there's a fallen part of us because we turn our back on Him that causes all the problem and the war and the sin and the, the difficulties that goes on around our lives. And so can I suggest to you tonight, I don't want you to be a person who misses out on the greatest of opportunities, the greatest, the ultimate of gifts because of a preconceived idea, because of a thought pattern that you've been stuck in. You might feel like you're at the top of your game, but maybe God's coming to knock on your heart and say there's more for you tonight. I want to tell you the ultimate gift is the gift of Jesus Christ. He brings the gift of salvation. He brings the gift of forgiveness. It brings the gift of a clean conscience. It brings the gift of peace in our heart, even though circumstances might not be perfect. He brings the gift of strength. When we've run out of strength, He brings the gift of purpose and significance. And I'm wondering, and you can kick in now, band. This is your moment. I'm wondering if you're here tonight, you might not have heard this thought, but the bottom line is you and I are created for a relationship with God. That's the bottom line. We're created for a relationship with God. You'll never find true happiness. You'll never find true, a true sense of significance until you make the connection with God. And that's what we're all about here at a church. We're about helping people make a personal connection with God. The thing that stops us making the connection with God, often it's our mindsets. Often it's our preconceived ideas. Sometimes it's our pride. Sometimes it's our fear of being out of control if we give our life over to God. But I want to tell you tonight, whatever the condition of your life is here tonight, that you're created for a relationship with God and you're one prayer away from that relationship that could, could change everything. One prayer away. You might find your life right now racked with anxiety and people around you mightn't be aware of it. They mightn't even have the sense that that's the story around your life. But I want to tell you here tonight, Jesus is the one who comes and He takes anxiety away and He replaces it with peace. It's supernatural. You might find yourself here tonight and you're, you just, I don't know, going around in circles. No real sense of purpose to your life. Maybe you're living from Monday to Friday, hanging out for the weekends, but then at the end of the weekend, it just wasn't what you thought it was. 
And I want to tell you there's something more for you. It's a relationship with God. When we come into this relationship with God, everything changes. I want to pray for us right now, right across this room. Father, I pray tonight for every heart, for every person in this room, no matter what our preconceived ideas are, I ask that you would help us to open our hearts to you. Lord, there are people who are lonely here. There are people who are hurting here. There are people who were once connected to you and they're not connected to you anymore. And tonight I'm asking that you, by your power and by your spirit, will draw them to you. What I want to do in a moment is I'm going to lead us in a prayer, just a simple prayer. It's a prayer of asking God to come into our life. It's a prayer of putting our trust in Jesus, the Son of God, who came and gave His life for you and me so that the things that separate us from God could be broken down, the sin that separates us from God could be forgiven, and we could come to a place of peace. And so I'm going to ask us, I'm going to ask us all to pray this prayer. I'm going to say it, and I'll ask you to pray it. But, but if you're here tonight, and there's something missing in your life, and you don't have a relationship with God, you can have a relationship with God if you just turn to Him right now in your heart. A simple prayer can change everything. Maybe you've been walking with God at one point in your life, but you're not walking with Him now. You might have gone to Sunday school, youth group, might have gone to a, some kind of church, but you've drifted away from God and right now you're not walking with Him. And you can feel it that something's missing. You can feel it that things aren't quite right. And so this is what I'm going to ask us to pray. And all of us, would you pray this after me? Say, Dear God in heaven, I thank you tonight that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, for my sin. I'm sorry, I've lived my way, not your way. And tonight I'm turning to you to follow you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your peace. I thank you that you cleanse me that you forgive me, that I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want you just to keep your eyes closed. In this moment, a simple prayer that's heartfelt is all it takes to connect to God who loves us so much. And what I'm going to ask is if you prayed that prayer because you really do want a relationship with God, I'm just going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand. Just simply, that's all. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. Just wherever you are, I'm just going to simply ask you to raise your hand as an acknowledgement that you prayed that prayer because you want a relationship with God. If you prayed that prayer because you've been away from God and you know in your heart that you're not right with Him, you might believe in Him, but you're not walking with Him. In a moment, when I say, I just want you to raise your hand as well, just, just to acknowledge to God, to acknowledge to me in this moment, I need to get my life back on track with God. And I prayed that prayer from my heart because I need to get back right with Him. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're just not sure if when you die, you go to heaven. You hope you are, but you're not sure. 
You believe that God's real, but you're not confident. And if you want to be sure as well, I want you just to raise your hand as well. So very simply, if that's you, you're saying, John, I want, to, I want that relationship with God. That's why I prayed that prayer. Or I want to come back to God because I've drifted away from Him. That's why I prayed that prayer. Or I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. Would you just raise your hand right now wherever you are and say, that's me. That's me. I want that relationship with God. Thank you. I see your hand. Thanks, man. I see your hand. Just, just put it up high in the air for me so I can could, I could just acknowledge it and then you can put it down. Who else tonight you're saying, that's me as well. I want that relationship with God you're talking about. That's why I prayed that prayer. Wherever you are, just raise it up high and say, that's me. I want to connect with God. I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. So good. There's a beautiful peace that comes when you get right with God, when you surrender your life to God. Everything changes in your heart. You might not have been in church for a year or two years. Might have been 10 years. Maybe this is the first time. Tonight's that moment. I'm, just, I'm wondering if there's anyone else. You're saying, that's me as well. I want that relationship with God you're talking about. Just would you raise your hand and say, that's me as well. Just put it up high. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Let me pray. Father, for every person tonight who's connecting with you, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for what you've done in our life. And I'm asking for each person who's raised their hand here, that your peace would fill their heart, that you'd be with every person in this room as we head towards Christmas. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much.